Hey everybody, welcome to Listen Money Matters, the key to building wealth. Take action. My name is Matt and I'm here as always with Andrew. Andrew, how are you and what are you drinking this morning? <laughs> I am very good and I am drinking a iced coffee. I wanted to be like you today. Oh, I wish I had an iced coffee. I have a hot coffee and I'm fine with that. Mm. Say look. <laughs> I had to do it. That's my Mark Marin impression. Pretty terrible. I, I don't even think you had to tell everyone. I think they knew. I don't think they knew. But if they did, great. Uh, today we're going to have a non-political discussion about the future of Social Security. Pretty pretty big topic. Because mm. uh, listener Faith wanted us to do that, and we're going to uh, we're going to do that. So we're trying to step up to the plate. Excellent. Before we get started, uh, if you guys have a question about personal finance. Or you want to say hi, or you have some more questions about Social Security, uh, email us your question and or responses or comments at listenmoneymatters at gmail.com. Also, if you want to submit your catchphrase that we say at the beginning of the show, you can submit them via Twitter. It's at MoneyMattersMan or Facebook, Facebook.com slash listenmoneymatters. And today's catchphrase is the key to building wealth. Take action. And that was from at Object Wealth. And that's Krista Miller. So thank you, Krista. Let's dive into... This. That's a minute and 25 seconds intro. Hmm. That's a short that, intro, friends. That's pretty good. We're yeah. getting into this shit. Wow. We, we've we've really compressed it. So I want to jump in, but I want to frame the conversation really quick because okay. there's, there's a lot of information. Um, as we get deeper into the episode, it's going to be contentious. It is a highly political topic. So yeah, I'm already mad. <laughs> and and I can understand why, uh-huh. uh, but but uh, <laughs> what what we're going to do is we're going to convey the arguments. We're going to discuss everything, but we're never going to mention conservative, liberal, Republican, Democrat. We're going to teabagger, teabagger, any any of that stuff. Okay, um, we're just going to provide the information. We're not even going to take a side, and we're going to let you draw your own conclusion. This is going to be just an informative episode to educate you on the issue. Is it okay if I draw my own conclusion? Yeah, that's fine. Okay. Because I am I, I can't help but be extremely opinionated and draw my own conclusions and opinions. <laughs> All right, cool. So, like, I so think your shirt's see. stupid. That's just my opinion. Well. But it had, it had to be said. Your face is stupid. Fair enough. And you're entitled to that opinion. So let's Thank get – I, I want to know, uh, like, where did Social Security come from? Why is it even a thing? So uh, it was created in uh, 1935 by Franklin Roosevelt as part of the New Deal. FDR. That's right. He's named, he has a highway named after him in Manhattan. Okay. <laughs> and uh, the goal was to um, limit what were seen as dangers in the modern American life including old age, poverty, unemployment, and the burdens of widows and fatherless children. Okay. So FDR put this into effect with a new deal mm-hmm. in 1935. Right. Right around the Great Depression. Correct. So um, how does it work? Uh, basically, um, the idea is that you pay in now and then you vest like what you will get in the future. But in reality, what happens is you pay now and that money goes directly to retirees now. So, so all right. So the money so in the future, you have to be paid by some by millenn- the kids, you know? Yeah. By the kids. Okay. Yeah. So right now the social security tax that I'm paying is paying for like P 
people who are older retiring right to second and collecting Social Security. Correct. And I guess that makes sense because in order for it to start like immediately, right, like mm. back in 1935, they had to say, okay, let's start collecting tax now and just give it right to people. Otherwise, they would have had to like wait for a couple years and build up reserves, and I don't think people wanted to do that. Yeah, and then it wouldn't address the problem. Uh, they had a lot of like elderly, poor people. So yeah. okay, the only problem is, is I mean, it's I guess it's not a problem. But what? Uh, what? How? When you? When do you get it? Like when do you? When can you collect Social Security? So like when can uh, I get it? Is what I'm asking. Right, right. So you can collect Social Security. Um, well, it's it, it's they they pass some laws, so it's changing slightly. It you keeps going up, right? The age keeps going up. Yeah, o- over the course of a 22-year period, it's it's slowly going up, and it'll eventually um, end at uh, 65. So, I, I we're we're at some uh, margin between 62 and 65, uh, but roughly in that range. How one of the issues I have is how long can you collect it for? Like when I'm 65 and I live to 165, can I collect it for 100 years? Uh yeah, and that's also a part of the problem of why funding is we're living issue. longer. Yeah. And and also um one of the things is that uh the base that pays into social security is shrinking. I don't understand that. Why? Uh so social security <clears throat> you mean there's you mean there's less working people now than there was No, nah, I mean not necessarily. However, um the only the first 110,000 of your income is taxed on Social Security. In, in Forever? Well, I mean, yeah. Yeah, okay. Obviously not forever. I mean, you retire or you stop working or something, but the first 110,000 are taxed. So as we have increasingly disparate income ranges, right, more wealth is concentrated with less people, you know, where less of the actual money that is made in America winds up being subjected to this tax. So where there could have been a person making 110,000, instead that gets stacked on top of another person making a million. So it's just 110,000 that is not even close to being taxed. Oh, so it's 110,000 like max. That that you personally could have that income taxed on. So if you made 120,000, 10,000 of your income would not be have a social security. All right, tax. let me see if I got this right. Because of income inequality, because there's more, because there, there's a uh, a smaller amount of people with the most amount of money. There's less people working, and there's also less people making up to one hundred and ten thousand dollars enough to pay that tax in their lifetime. No, no, no. It's like if you make like fifteen. I mean, uh, bad example. If you make like. $40,000, you yeah. pay Social Security. If you make $80,000, your entire income, you, you're taxed on Social Security. If you make $105,000, your entirety of your income is taxed on Social Security. But if you made $200,000, $90,000 of your income is not taxed for Social Security. Oh, so so oh. The, the problem is not that – I mean – Oh, I, it, it's oh. more because the wealth is concentrated. So as opposed to everyone, instead of making them, they're making 50,000, everyone makes 80,000. Everyone's making 40,000. And then the few are making so much more, more than that. Right. So it caps out. Yeah. For every individual. Yes. I see. Obviously, this, this was not uh, planned for in the, in the initial creation. Of, of course. And I'm, and I'm sure 
that the baby boomers are have something to do with this, right? The idea that there's a lot of people retiring right now. So, so that is putting stress on the system. However, the system is still quote unquote cash flow positive. Right so now. There, there is more tax earnings and interest income from, from our existing social security balance than what goes out to pay benefits. Does the social security is that, I, I'm, I'm picturing social security as like, there's one giant like vault of money. And that the entire collection of the United States who pays Social Security tax, it all goes into this vault, right? So, and then it's paid out uh, accordingly. So it's always like there's money always going in and out. Yeah, right? but right? but it's actually more complicated than that. Well, and let me ask: like, do they take that money and invest it into the stock market so that it grows? So, so this is part of the problem. Okay. And this this is this is a big contentious. Like, this is of the biggest issues. So it's not invested in the stock market. It's actually invested in U.S. Treasury bonds. Okay. It's like the bonds your grandmother gives you. Right. And what a U.S. Treasury bond is, it's basically the country's debt. Yeah. So what effectively happens is the entirety of the balance of Social Security. Active balance. Active balance is U.S. debt. So while – so basically the money is not there and every time it's due, the country pays that plus interest. So Social Security kind of grows. It weighs on the economy and um, yeah, it and, – and, and oh, the, the one other thing – I space get at it for a second. The one other thing is really? because, uh, <laughs> because um, the income right now – is greater than the expenditure, right? Which is like how much we have to divvy out plus the interest payments on the debt. Got it. Um, the debt is actually not counted towards our national debt. So this equates to a trillion dollars of debt that is not like- On the debt clock. Exactly. So, but however, as soon as we breach the threshold of where we do not collect- enough money to cover the the burden of social security it'll start to appear appear on the debt clock but it is effectively debt it's like a a a balance a book balancing dance all the time yes has always been uh i want i want to say always been but for a very long time so more so now than ever yeah so all right what are the like the current issues with social security like what's the problem and why are why are we talking about it? Okay, well, I mean, the, you just mentioned one kind of. I don't even know if I would call it a problem. It's just the way it is. So, yeah. Okay. So since 1983, uh, my birthday. <laughs> since your birthday, we've had positive Social Security cash flow. Right, more is coming in and less is going out. However, by 2021. We will be in a deficit. So the core of Less the will issue be coming in and more will be going out. Right. So the core of the issue is we see this 2021 on the horizon, basically the bankruptcy of Social Security, and we're like, oh God, what do we do? And then this whole thing is is a discussion framed around how we can resolve this. Huh. I mean, uh, that, that's right. that's that's the whole debate and the arguments. And all right. So that's what's, so. 
there's a threat to Social Security right now. Yes, it's it's on the horizon. And there, there, there's a couple things that uh, they say we could do. Uh, and, and I mean, that's where, and of course, then some people say it's a big deal. Others say it's not a big deal. Um, uh, and yeah. of course, uh, what do you tend to believe? Well, okay. I know, I know. Uh, first off, I want to, I want to quote someone. So, you All know, right. um, Paul Krugman, right? Yeah. He, who, but who, do you know who he is? I mean, I know him and I can see his face. Yeah, he, he's on the economic advisors to uh, Obama. Okay. And, and I think he actually served for other presidents as well. But okay. um, in 2004, and he's also a Nobel laureate. Yeah. Uh, so in 2004, he spoke on what he called the hype about a social security crisis. And, and he wrote like a whole thing on it. Um, and he acknowledged that there's a long-running financial problem. But uh, he said the problem is of modest size. He said in order to fix the system – it would require an additional revenue equivalent only to 0.54% of GDP, and that is less than the amount that we are spending in Iraq. Like that 0.54% so, is less than what we're spending in Iraq. Right. So, so he's basically saying like, um, you know, if that money was diverted, not even as much as in Iraq was diverted, like this would be a non-discussion. What about this <laughs> idea of like capping uh, – capping it out at 110 why why are we doing that like why can't the rich be and this this is where I we guess get it, into i guess it's because it's individual topics. yeah I'm right because um okay so so let me let me first lay out the ideological arguments and oh. then we can towards what towards what might happen to social security okay right how we may fix funding or cut benefits or or, or even the fact that it exists okay. because part of the arguments are some people think that it might not even be legal, that it shouldn't even exist. So You mean Social Security itself? Right, right, right. So, so okay. the thing is, is, is it's not even – the discussion is not even around fixing it. It's also around changing it. We're getting rid of um, it completely. We're doing it wrong or that it shouldn't even – so it's like really everywhere, yeah, yeah. right? It's like because there's a little issue we must – and it's good. You know, the, the discussion is good. It comes to healthy conclusions. But, but let me say the, the ideological arguments. So – one, degree of ownership and choice among investment alternatives in determining – I'm sorry. One of the, the arguments is that there is not enough degree of ownership. Yeah, you have no say. Right. Oh, well, no, no, no. The degree of ownership in that if you die, uh, you can't pass it on to your kids. Okay. So that's degree of ownership. And then the choice among investment alternatives in determining one's own financial future in that you're locked in to this. You have to contribute. And then it's invested in U.S. treasuries, which perform – I mean they perform very low because they're very secure. But uh, we could – supposedly the gains could be much better. Right. So that, that's one. Another is the right and extent of government taxation and wealth distribution. Obviously, there are arguments on because it's it's an entitlement program and people have issues with Give it handouts. giving handouts, redistribution of wealth, stuff Obviously, like that. Yeah. Uh, another one is a trade-offs between social insurance and wealth creation. So um, there, basically, it's like instead of just chilling out and doing whatever and then when you're retired we take care of you it's it's that versus being mindful now and building wealth now 
so that you are okay when you retire. Right. Um, <clears throat> yeah, but not everyone's going to do that. So, but I mean, but this is one of the. Oh, arguments. so I guess it's like, hey, if Social Security doesn't exist, you don't have a freaking choice. You got to, yeah, you got to fucking invest. Yeah, you don't. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, and, and I mean, look, like we have to understand that the arguments are literally on on every aspect of of the thing. So, uh, there, there's two more. Um, whether the program is perceived as a charitable safety net, or you know, an entitlement, yeah, or earned benefits. So it's it's a perception problem. On, are we giving handouts, or are these things that you've earned over your lifetime? That's sort of like the unemployment. It's a, I feel like it's a, it parallels that a lot. It it very much does because it so, is like the same. It's a very similar thing. Yeah, and and I'll tell you what. I actually don't even want. I mean, that's one of the discussion topics. I mean, in the debate, but I don't even want to talk on that because okay. I don't. I don't think that we can decide that. That's you know whatever. But uh, and then the next one is intergenerational equity. That so basically because it's not you vesting for your future, it's you paying for elderly now. Uh-huh. So imposing burdens on the living today for future generations, and or you know it's it's hurting your life for the elderly, you know who maybe they didn't even pay into it when they because they were they're so old or something. I got it. You know, so so those those are the cores, and then and then the the yeah. So th- those are the core of the arguments. Okay. Now you know now and now here's the thing. You know, like the Republicans, they they run on a less tax, less government involvement. Whoa, dude! Uh, we're no. I- I'm no. just stating a fact. All right. I didn't say I agree with it or, or not. So I, so I, so do um uh, libertarians. Well, yeah. They're they're supposedly more middle ground. No, they're not. <laughs> libertarians are like way way right but there's there's like this idea that uh you know don't bring too much politics into all right fine i'm gonna try not to but i told you i'm gonna have an opinion yeah, yeah no have an opinion just don't preface it with a republican or, or democrat tell me what you think <sighs> i i you know <laughs> looks uh bottom line is unemployment was a godsend to me Mm-hmm. It helped me to be where I am now. Without it, I don't think I could do what I do. And mm-hmm. I paid into it longer than most people at my age. So like when I was 13, I was paying into unemployment and I've been paying into it up and until I lost my job. I collected it for a year and a half and then I stopped collecting it because I was forced to stop collecting, collecting mm-hmm. it. And I knew at some point it, it's over. It's not, it doesn't last forever. Uh, nor would I ever take advantage of the system that long. But then it, then I, then it was over and then I... You know, was able to do what I do now, which is great. It helped me. I, I think the the contrast, and I'll say that I think that there are more people like you than the quote unquote bad eggs. Mm-hmm. But I, I personally know people, Who and their job their jobs are such that they will work you know two weeks, three weeks, and then they'll they won't have a job. Because of the nature of what they do, so then they'll claim unemployment for right. a week or two. Yeah, I know people. And like it's like the cycle that is constantly going. So they're always almost on or on. They're on and off unemployment. Yeah. And and I, I even know someone personally. Who personally. I even know someone personally who has claimed unemployment while they were overseas on vacation. Yeah. So so the that those are the crux of the arguments against it. 
Sure. But I, th- I think that, um, I mean, and there will always be people who attempt to game the system, but I, I think that it's probably more honest people and useful uses of unemployment than like the small batch that screws the system. All right. So is there, um, so what do you think after doing all this research? Do you think uh, there's a possibility that we won't have Social Security when me and you retire? Well, I, I I'm wanna, actually forcing. Well, unless you want to, I mean, I'm forcing you to have an opinion because yeah. So well, okay, because there's also a whole another thing I want to discuss. But I, I understand. Say that I understand what I you want to discuss next because I'm looking at it. But okay, so I'll tell. I'll tell you. I, uh, I don't even know if it's worth discussing because it's no, like, no, no. This next piece is worth discussing. But I, I will. I'll answer your question. I'll say that. Um, the most active voters are elderly or people like our parents' age. <laughs> and it is shown time and time again that things like Social Security and Medicare are sacrosanct. Like, they, they cannot be touched because the voters will not let it happen. So no one – it's like literally political suicide to even propose cuts in benefits – you know, or, or to alter the program. So it becomes a very tough topic because there's such resistance to touching it. Okay. So, so that, I actually, that I actually put, don't think I've, I've said uh, – so I think, no, I think that, it, that, that, I think that it will be there. Yeah, I was going to say that, that puts me at ease a little bit because if, if there's anything uh, that I um, – well, you know, all right, whatever. All right, so, I, so go, into the that, next, go into the I next think section. It's, yeah. yeah. So um, it's it's like uh, how do we fix this? Okay. Right. And um, uh, like, so there's two. There's there's, I mean there's there's many approaches, but the biggest discussion is around privatizing Social Security, which I think right off the bat's a bad idea, but. See, that's, that's interesting because I actually and I have plenty of arguments against it, but I actually think that it. Could be a very good idea. It actually is likely a very good idea. <clears throat> so I'm going to give the whole arguments, and we'll, we'll or we'll discuss them point by point. So I'm gl- I'm glad you sound like a robot right now because this proves to me that cable internet shouldn't be privatized. <laughs> I, I sound like a robot. Oh, you're fine. Go ahead. All right. Fucking Comcast. Yeah, uh, they, they suck. So pro privatization. Uh, that would mean that uh, instead of paying taxes to the government and they divvy it out to you later, it would va- basically vest in an account that you own, not so different from a 401k. And then because it is like that, when you die, you could actually take it, give it to your heirs. I mean, when you die, you can't take it, but your kids, it could right. be left to your kids and stuff like that. Um. If it was privatized, we'd be able to invest it in other things like stocks and bonds, and the returns would be dramatically higher than U.S. Treasuries. Um, and if it was privatized, it would reduce the role of government in that they're not collecting and managing this huge amount of money and misappropriating it or, or whatever. And you say determining the retirement age and income, which they already do with 401ks. So uh, that that doesn't prove that argument um does that make yeah sense? but i mean there's there's no laws on it now so there could be no age but um 
Right, it could just be an account that but you they're own. even. But they're controlling. Like the government controls how much you can invest in your four hundred one k and and when you can take it out mm. without being penalized. That's the government, right? That that makes those rules. Right, and then it, the, the and reason that's privatized. It's it's under the guise of the tax benefits, right? Because right. So I, I mean, it, obviously, it remains to be seen, but that could be a potential thing, right? There could be no tax benefits, but then you can do whatever you want with it. But not all right. But this would be something that. Uh, it's a tax that goes in. It's you know you're being taxed on it regardless whether you want to or not. You have no option. It just goes into an account. It's like a 401k for you personally. And okay, that makes sense because like even now it's like why wouldn't you just start a 401k? But you actually have to start a 401k. You don't have the right. Like, you don't. This idea it would be compulsory. Yeah, it's like it's like you're it's happening. Like you live in this country, you're getting this whether you like it or not. And it's not even like you're – it's like a tax that goes towards your future from you, you, by you, for you. Right. Why can't the government just do it that way? Um, So uh, to to jump into uh, uh, that – Remember in the beginning we were saying how like um, we're taxed now for retirees in the future? I mean for retirees now. Yeah. Right? So if we privatized it now – there would be a bunch of retirees that didn't have a chance right, have no money. to be privatized, and they'd be like stuck without anything. Mm-hmm. And they say in the first year of this transition, if we were to do this, it would add a trillion dollars to our national debt. Got it. And then over the course of a few years, it would then add another two to three trillion in, right. in order in order to kind of convert the system. Got it. So it would put an intense burden, and that, that's that's the biggest argument. It's one of the biggest arguments against is that it would put an insane burden on us now. Got it. Um, that said, I, I'm going to disagree with you in that I think uh, it would be awesome if the efforts you put into Social Security and stuff like that could be transferable to your kids. If you were to die, I mean that's the cool. Um, I like that. That's cool. Right, and I, I also. That. And I'm also hugely for uh, the benefits of, of having it invested in things like stocks and bonds so that you, it actually has meaningful growth instead of the really low, low rate of the U.S. Treasury bond. Okay. What are the anti-arguments against it? Um, or, or did you just say that? Yeah. So, I mean, the, the first one is what we just said. I mean, that privatization doesn't address the long-term funding challenges. Yeah. Right? Um. By privatizing, uh, you're going to move from, quote-unquote, defined benefits to defined contribution in that right now, when you retire, you know exactly what you're going to get. Yeah. However, if you're, if you're privatizing it, you know exactly what you're putting in, but what you get out is determined by the market movement. Yeah. Uh, okay. So, you, you know what I mean? So, it's not like you can know for a fact what you'll get. You know, we right. can speculate that it'll be higher. Maybe, right. maybe it's highly likely that it'll be higher. But yeah, and what happens? It is re- not guaranteed. And what happens if you decide to retire in an economic downturn? Right. If you're like, retiring, you decide to retire. I mean, that's like you turn sixty-five, and it's like, all right, time to collect the Social Security. Oh, we're in a friggin' recession. Yeah. So crap on me. And, and you know, it's funny. I actually specifically didn't include that thing in the notes because I didn't want to like. But but that's a very good point that you could retire at a downturn. It could be so unfortunate. Oh, you can do that now with 401ks and, our, you know, you could do that now. 
Right. I mean, arguably, you would have grown your thing so much over the good years. But yes, you could be in such a a tough spot. That is possible. All right. So then, so uh, is there any uh, movement towards any of these things? Um, We actually, the closest we came to resolving this was under Clinton in 97 to 99. And it was but months away, like there was actually an agreement on both sides of, of the house. There was actually an agreement. And it was just about to be done, and then the Monica Lewinsky scandal happened. Really? Really. And it said it derailed the entire thing, and then by the time that scandal was done, uh, no one agreed anymore. I wonder if that was purpose. If that was for, like on purpose. Oh, that someone did it to... Yeah, like waited, like knew about it, but like waited to leak it at the exact right time. Conspiracy! You know, <laughs> it could be possible. I think... Uh, what is that? they say? Truth is stranger than fiction. Yeah. Um, I, I thought something interesting, uh, and this is an anti-privatization argument. So you know Austin Goolsby, right? Nope. Uh, he, he's Should one I? of the economic advisors, uh, or or was rather, to Obama. Okay. Um, and, and he's he's a really smart guy. He's, you should know him because he's been on John Stewart and Colbert sure like a billion times. I'm sure he has. And uh, from from the university the University of Chicago. Uh, Wait, he, he did Rahm a study. Emanuel? Rob Emanuel? Rob no. Emanuel. Ron oh, Emanuel. No, no, Austin Goolsby? Austin Goolsby. He's pretty awesome. He actually made a great guest on these shows. So you should actually go back and search those episodes because okay. he, he's a super smart guy. But right. um, he did a study on this, and he said that privatization of these accounts – I mean, when you privatize these accounts, like 401ks, uh, there are fees associated with it. Sure. Like your 401ks. Yeah. So the privatization of these accounts would result in $940 billion in fees to these Wall Street banks. Mm-hmm. I mean, and I say Wall Street not in a negative way, but that's, that's what they are, yeah. right? And it would amount to one-fourth of the entire revenue of the financial sector for the next 75 years. He said, in, uh, qu- he said and I quote, the fees would be the l- largest windfall gain in American financial history, end quote. So, so we by pri- doing this- Yeah, so privatizing <clears throat> is well, okay, not, giving not to power draw, to more power to the not banks. Not to draw the conclusion, but obviously Wall Street has an insanely high vested interest in this because they would become incredibly wealthy through the fees. I mean, all of the American public forced to put their money in a specific account that is managed by these banks. Yeah. That, See, so, I'm, def- I'm definitely not on board with that. <laughs> so so that, that's, a, that's a pretty strong anti-privatization argument. Um, it's, it's no, there's no way really to get around it. Uh, and I think that, yeah, that's, that's a negative side, but I think there, there are many positive sides to the fact that you have control of your account and could invest. All right. So what do we learn? <clears throat> um, what do we learn? I mean, that's a very complicated issue that, uh, we're, we're arguing. Uh, okay. Look, I, I could give you two, I could distill it down into two core arguments. I mean, these these are the general things that are being floated as solutions that are realistic solutions that are m- closer to wh- what's going to happen. <clears throat> we could increase payroll tax by 2%. Yeah. And that will balance it for another 75 years. Okay. Right? So tax more, and then it'll be balanced. 
and obviously tax more one side really hates it of course right now the one that the other side really hates is if we cut social security benefits by 13.3% um the handouts would, the the handouts or however you call it, it would dr- address the program's budgetary concerns indefinitely I see. So supposedly, if you cut it by thirteen point three percent, people are getting less money now paid out in social and, security, and less money and now it. and forever and forever, right? And Obviously, it. and then that's the whole reason why it's gradually moving from. I'm sorry, and before I was earlier, I misquoted. Uh, right now, or in two thousand, you're able to at sixty two to withdraw from social security. Right now, it's moving from sixty five to sixty seven mm. years old when you withdraw a twenty two year period. And the reason they did that is to kick the can down the road. Sure. And that's the same thing with reducing benefits, right? You make it wait longer until you can retire. So you're collecting it for less amount of time. Exactly. Or maybe more people die before they reach it. That's what I mean, yeah. Yeah. I mean, all those things. So those are the two main things, right? Obviously, one side of the aisle hates one of those solutions, and the other side hates the other solution. But to be realistic, if if we're not going to go into the dramatic change like privatization, one of the two really needs to happen. You know, or they can just wipe out everyone who is 68 years old right now. Just wipe them all out. Just like nuke them? Yep, just everyone who's 68. And then, you know, we just clear out that one little, like, who cares, right? And then, <laughs> and then you know, and then we just freed up, you know, it's a lot less more, a lot less people collecting. So that's 13%. There you go. Or, right. or we put them all in a rocket ship, send them to Mars, and say, just build a colony yeah, do or like there. whatever. Just keep yourself busy. <laughs> I hope you know I'm kidding. But that, you know. I was, I was serious. That's a Oh, the moon thing. Yeah, to... you want to do the Mars thing? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Okay. You want to colonize Mars before the moon? Yeah, I mean. All right. Well, that's where we're going to find the aliens. Okay. okay. Yeah, true. They're called, so, Mar- they're called Martians. All right. So it's, it's very. I got it. So uh, to, to reiterate. Mm. So we learned what social security is. We learned the problems with it. We learned the arguments to both sides to why it should be privatized and why it should not be privatized. Uh, we know of quite a bit right now. I know quite a bit about social security. What I the only really the only thing I really care to know right now is should I expect not to click social security when I'm 65? I would say that. Um it is highly likely that it will be there for you when you retire, not because the current in car, it, it, the current um, sy- like system as it is will be solvent, but because we will have to fix it because the American taxpayers and voters will require it to be fixed. Okay. And just like when we get to the crazy brinkmanship over the budget and if we'll default on our debts – I think that it won't actually happen because we're not that ridiculous. So there will be a solution. Okay. I'm going to add, however, however, personally, I'm not banking on it. That's just my, my I'm choice. I'm also personally not banking Yeah, on my it. choice is not to bank on it. And, but think, like, think, of it, think of it this way. If you got a 401k and you got a Roth IRA and you're investing in the stock market and you are actively building up your retirement fund yourself – Mm-hmm. That's going to be a lot more money than you're going to get from Social Security. Right? And I would like to add that that is within your control. control right. while, while we could sit here, two dudes with mics, and you know, say that we – and I really do believe that it's highly likely Social Security will be there when we retire. It is also possible 
that it would not be there. And that is, I mean, the two of us, we're two votes, you know, and our audience is whatever, how many votes, but um, the country is much larger. So it is possible that something doesn't happen. And that is not within our control directly. Right. And you can, and, and like philosophy, like the Stoics say, you can only do things that are in your control. You cannot control what doesn't, ha- what you can't control. Right. Exactly. So I think this idea that uh, I'm going to start putting away for my retirement on my, myself. So that way I have money. Right. And mm. I don't care what the government does. But then I turn 65 and the government's like, here's money. And I'm like, oh, that's just extra on top of what I've already done. So it's like icing on the cake of my life. And I can collect unemployment, right? Or I, I'm sorry. I can collect Social Security even if I have a 401k and a Roth IRA and a bunch Absolutely. of – Absolutely. Okay. And it would just make you that much wealthier. Okay. So it should be considered, I think, the icing on the cake, like, okay. like you said. There you go. It's a good way to end it. If you guys have questions about – Oh, wait, 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 oh, come wanna... on, man. <laughs> There's uh, one thing. So really quick, um, some people I'm sure are wondering – how much money they may have already vested into Social Security or how much money they may have when they retire through Social Security. And it's really cool because the government provides you with that number. You know, you just got to go to the IRS site, put your Social Security number in, blah, blah, blah. And we're going to provide a link to that in the show notes. So if you're curious, um, just go to the show notes. You'll find that and it'll show you exactly what is owed to you, at least what you're vested in as of today. Did you do it? Um, it, it's, it's that link in the bottom of the, uh, did you do it though? Did I do it? I actually didn't do it. Why not? Because I, uh, to be honest, like I don't really care because I'm planning to not get social security. I, I, uh, my retirement plans, my life plans do not involve getting money from social security. So if I do get it, I may just like donate it all to charity or like send my kids on a crazy vacation or something. Okay. That's so I, selfish. I, 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 <laughs> it, it's not even remotely factoring into my retirement plan. All right. Is that it? Uh, yes, that's it. If you guys have questions about Social Security or anything else regarding money. Or my plan on sending the elderly to Mars. Or that. <laughs> you can email us at listenmoneymatters at gmail.com. And if you really like the show or just like the show or think the show's okay or whatever the case may be, please leave us a review on iTunes or Stitcher because that helps us in our goal to, uh, you know, get Susie Orman to retire early and Dave Ramsey to retire early and Tim <laughs> Kramer to retire early, collect their social security and get the fuck out of the way. That's right. Uh, we got a, uh, <laughs> we got a review. The title is Mr. And it's five stars by the six six million dollar man one from the United States. I now subscribe and try to listen every day. Keeps me remembering the money matters. Perfect. Mm. About one sentence with the ellipses in there. Perfect. And uh, if you're not banking on Social Security, but you want to start investing, and you know, open up a Roth IRA or just put your money somewhere. We got to mention Betterment because they're cool, and that's how we keep the lights on here at the LMM Studios. It's uh, listenmoneymatters.com slash Betterment, and get started because Andrew and I do it, and it's I, I love it personally. I, I will not stop talking about it. I don't care what anyone says. It's a great system right now. And last but not least, if you want to learn more about personal finance and money management and retirement, all that good stuff, we are always writing and posting up new episodes of this show at listenmoneymatters.com. So that's it. Thanks again for hanging out with us, and we look forward to the next episode later, Andrew. Later, Matt.